Did you know the Franklin County Sheriff's Office has programs to support our seniors? This is Sheriff Chris Donnelly. Our triad unit provides free medical equipment to senior citizens who need help staying in their homes. This could mean the difference between going home after rehab or into a nursing home. Our incarcerated men at the Franklin County Jail work to repair and maintain donated wheelchairs, scooters, walkers, and hospital beds that we then make available to seniors for free. Just another service our Sheriff's Office is proud to provide for you and your family. The ideas and opinions expressed in this show do not reflect the views of WHMP or Saga Communications. This show may contain subject matter not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Hi, I'm Lisa Riley, and each week we're here to share stories, not just from current or formerly justice-involved individuals, but even those who might be considered underdogs in the game of life, because all of them are hustling to put their past in the rearview mirror and start anew. And of course, we know it takes a village of resources and people to help those who are hustling to carve that new path and prove that failure isn't final. This is The Hustler Files. Welcome, everyone, to this week's The Hustler Files. Today, we are scooting down the East Coast to Mebane, North Carolina. As many of you may not know, The Hustler Files originally launched in 2018, and it was in that inaugural year that I had the great pleasure of meeting and getting to know our guest today. Kieran McHugh is truly a poster person for someone who went from bad boy to successful entrepreneur, and I am so thrilled to have him join us today from North Carolina. Kieran, welcome back to The Hustler Files. Hey, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. My name is Kieran McHugh, head artist and owner at the Cardinal Skin Art Gallery. Well, you we're going to talk about the art gallery in the second segment of the show, because I think what you've achieved in the last six years is astronomical. But I want to get people a little bit of background on you, sort of that 30,000-foot glimpse, if you will. I know we always like to focus on the journey forward, but, you know, it helps to have a little background to understand how successful you are considering what your life was like prior to six, seven years ago. So do you want to just give us a little background on yourself and how you came up through the ranks? Well, as a child, I grew up in an environment of what would be regarded as counterculture, hippie militia kind of environment. You know, great, great, great family support and lots of love in our little community, but it was also a black market and parallel to the black market uh, kind of environment. And from a young teenager, middle school age, got involved in the black market. And like any profession that one is going to work in for uh, a long time, if you put enough hours in and show up ready to work, you're going to move up in the business, which I did. And as a late teenager and young adult, I had become something of uh, a regional manager for a, a worldwide black market organization, which led to me being incarcerated in the federal penitentiary. Uh, in my early 20s, throughout all my 20s, from 2010 to 2017, during that time, incarcerated. This was in the high-security federal penitentiary, so it was its own strange world in there. For 
full of uh, primarily upper echelon of organized crime and terrorists, you know, all the type of things that you see on the news, and that they wind up in only a handful of these maximum security federal penitentiaries, which is where I was as well. During that time incarcerated is when I had the opportunity to pause and reset and uh, have this extended period of time that I was able to educate myself for countless books, education programs, written correspondence programs with universities, any way that I could like gain information or knowledge or try, try to learn something I, I did do while I was there. So let me rewind a second. Can you give us the definition of what black market meant back then or is it the same as you would think it means today, just for our listeners for edification? General description of the markets that I worked in had to do with drug trafficking, gun trafficking, currency trafficking, uh, occasionally document trafficking or trafficking in influence or such as like all politicians or uh, officials that would be friendly towards clandestine money and contributions to their campaign. So fast forward, you're now incarcerated. And if I remember correctly, you did end up in a few different federal prisons during that seven years, correct? You didn't stay in one location. That is correct. During my seven years, I was incarcerated in federal prison. Uh, I moved around five institutions. And when a federal inmate is, is in transit in between institutions, they will often be in a layover of sorts in an institution that they're not assigned to be in general population there, but more of like a, a, a waypoint in between. But as you mentioned a moment ago, you did take advantage of resetting yourself once you kind of acclimated to the, the prison system, correct? Correct. And I, I realized I had the opportunity to sort of create a structure for myself uh, where I could spend my time reading, learning, writing, as well as making time for physical activity that take care of my body and uh, the, the opportunity for spiritual growth and development to you know, take care of my soul. And I was afforded the time by our government to have all day long to structure however I want, provided I stayed inside of the institution. And the, the ways that I wanted to use this time uh, had to do with investing in myself so I could have the tools that I would need to be able to prosper when I finally did get out of prison. And if I remember correctly, you read over a thousand books? Oh, that is correct. Um, I, I would typically read uh, a handful of books at a time, and it would take something like, uh, on average, two or three days to complete a book, and I, I was locked up seven years. So I think the count really could be higher than that. That's phenomenal that, that you were able to consume that much educational material into your body. And by educational material, I mean anything in writing can be considered educational or spiritual. So when you got out of prison, which was what, about six years ago? That's correct. March of 2017. Which I think was right before you and I met, because I think we met in August of 2017. You sort of had a plan in place, but there was one thing that you learned in prison that I don't think you were prepared to learn when you went to jail, and that was what? That's correct. I learned the art of tattooing while I was incarcerated. And that in itself is an entire another story because it wasn't like the federal prison system handed you needles and inks and 
other accoutrements that you need to, you know, to do a tattoo the way you do it today. Do you want to just give us a quick history of, of how you got into the tattoo business while you were in prison? Yes. So having a great deal of time on my hands and also uh, being of a creative disposition, I, I spent a lot of my time drawing and writing. The fellow inmates took notice in my art and began commissioning me for drawing to send back to their families uh, or to use as tattoo designs for something they were interested in adding to their tattoo collection. After some months of me drawing tattoo designs, one of my friends that was a tattoo artist approached me and encouraged me that I should learn the arts of tattooing because people already like my art and they want it tattooed on their body. And within, within a week or so, I began watching them tattoo uh, and asking questions, and this is when the apprenticeship sort of began. But while you were in prison, you, you had to make your own ink. You weren't handed equipment like you use today, correct? Correct. What is the difference between the modern tattooing you do today and what you had to learn in prison? In the modern tattoo industry, there are now supply chains, uh, all the equipment and all the material that goes into making tattoos. But for the majority of, uh, of tattoo history in this nation and other nations around the world, tattooing was actually illegal throughout the 70s, 80s. Uh, some states didn't uh, legalize tattooing until the 90s. And what this meant for tattoo artists and tattoo clients is that most of the materials that went into your tattoos were actually handmade by tattoo artists. This was an oral tradition handed down from artist to artist. They would craft their own machines. They would make needles out of thin metal stock that's sharpened and then soldered into arrangements uh, to be used during the tattooing process. Even the ink itself were small batch handmade out of natural ingredients, as has been for thousands of years with you know some modern advancement. These days, you can order all of this equipment online from tattoo supply companies, but previously to tattooing going mainstream, most of the equipment that went into your tattoos was actually either handmade by the artist that was doing it or someone that the artist knew in the industry. And this is how tattooing was able to survive in institutional settings is because it was a by the people, for the people, handed down tradition. And the equipment can be made from ordinary items that may be lying around in, in any service facilities department, such as metal stock, computer parts, small motors, pieces of uh, metal or plastic that can be bent or otherwise fashioned to make uh, frames, power cables that can be adapted to hook into contact points on the tattoo machines and then connected to a battery pack or some sort of direct current uh, power supply. And inmates would create all of this by hand just by materials that we could recover from the institution, such as small motors that are inside uh, hair clippers or disk drives, computers, DVD players, CD players, etc that actually spin the disc and electronic components that may go into headphones or radios or small bits of electronics that may be around the prison for these. And we would take these component parts, fashion them into a tattoo machine. We would find metal stock from the facilities or uh, even from a guitar string or a spring that could be properly sanitized and then sharpened and then fashioned into a tattoo needle. And the ink itself is all natural organic carbon, carbon that is collected by some sort of fuel, usually a petroleum product, burned into a metal candle of sorts, which we fashion so that the candle itself can 
source, and then this collected, clean, sterile soot is then combined with water above a temperature of 190 degrees and just the barest few drops of alcohol as a solvent to help further break down the carbon, the soot. And after some 48 hours or so of shaking it, if we were in a laboratory environment, we would have some sort of shaker centrifuge to mix it for us, but we would instead just continue to heat it with hot water and shake it profusely for a number of days until we thought it was properly broken down. That's fascinating. It's almost like you just walked us through an instruction manual on how to to do tattooing from scratch. I want to come back. We're going to have to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm I'm sure you're going to hang out with us for a few more minutes. And we are going to jump in. I'd like to talk about how you got your tattoo shop moving forward after you were released from prison and, and you came back into society. So I think that's a great entrepreneurial story. And we want to share it with our listeners. So everybody hang tight, grab a cup of coffee. We'll be right back with this week's The Hustler Files. Under the leadership of Sheriff Patrick Kayleen, the Hampshire County Sheriff's Office offers medication-assisted treatment for those struggling with opioid addictions. This is Mindy Cady, Director of Medication for Opioid Use Disorders. We want you all to know that we provide community-based support and referral services with our partners at the Northampton and Ware Recovery Centers. If you or someone you know is living with alcohol or drug addiction or just simply need some direction, we're here and we're happy to help. Stop by or find us at HampshireSheriffs.com. Welcome back to this week's The Hustler Files. If you're just joining us, we're here with entrepreneur and artist Kieran McHugh, owner of the Cardinal Skin Art and Gallery in Mebane, North Carolina, which is an inclusive tattoo studio creating masterpieces that blur the lines between skin art and fine art. So, Kieran, let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey after you got released from prison in March of 2017. In March of 2017, when I was released from the federal penitentiary, uh, I spent a month contacting people in my network to line up like exactly how I was going to carry out my plan of, of starting a tattoo studio. And I, I had spent the, the final years of my incarceration doing as much business planning as I could, just the nuts and bolts. What does it look like? Where are the things that we need? Where do we get them from? What all goes into this, like a step-by-step instruction? If we could start tomorrow, like what would it look like to start tomorrow? Fortunately, I was connected with a nonprofit organization called Inmates Entrepreneurs, where they pair recently released inmates up with a mentor in the community that is a business person or somehow in business for themselves, just as a resource to ask questions to, like, you know, what do we do? How do we do this? Where do we go? Where do we fill out paperwork, et cetera? a little bit, it would be a little bit different for each inmate depending on what sort of business they wanted to go into. I had the great fortune of being paired with a man that is a business consultant and owns his own business consultancy. The business that he was in is helping other business know how to do business better. After reviewing my plans with him, he said, kid, you you have everything you need. Go out and do it. I set up a a route of doing like independent contractor-based construction work as just a way of using my physicality and problem solving to turn that into income and it's mainly mornings and somewhat flexible time that I could immediately start drawing an income from this and saving money while pursuing my tattooing arts and arts in general. Also during this first month I interviewed with several tattoo studios and found one that I thought would be a good fit for me to start at, which I would work at for seven months or so before beginning my own. The studio to work at was a jumping off place to build up my own clientele to 
show this community who I am. This is the art I do. This is what I'm about. And the plan was to build up a, a network of clients that would want to stay with me when I opened up my own studio. And the opportunity for this came sooner than expected in that the owner of the studio I was in was having some sort of personal problems and it lit a fire under all of their staff that they may have to find another place to, to do their work soon. I was able to build up a client pool much quicker than expected to the point that it, on paper it seems as though I had enough tattoo clients to just start my own studio and make space for other artists to join me as well, uh, which is what I did uh, throughout September of 2017, finding the lease for the space uh, September 27th of 2017 and having our grand opening for the Cardinal Skin Art and Gallery on October 13th of 2017, which was a Friday the 13th tattoo party. It was, it was a fun time and we have since then every Friday the 13th we'll do a promotional thing where we have a little small spooky base flash for all the clients. Party sounds amazing, and I think I remember that. Um, sadly, I, I couldn't be there. When you were going through this re-entry process, and I know you were on parole, and so you had that reporting to do, and then you're doing the construction, and then you were doing your new apprenticeship for the tattooing, how was your family support around you? Because you had so much going on, but it seems like there was some village helping you through all this. One of the things I'm most fortunate for is to have a loving family around me that always encouraged me to you know, follow my heart, do what I, I want to do and do what I think that I can do. During this time, and really ever since returning from incarceration, I've worked no less than 60 hours a week and usually closer to 70 or 80 or more. And at this point of time, that's certainly what I was doing, uh, working construction contracting jobs during the morning and early afternoon, then stopping to work out at the gym, take a shower there, get into the different tattooing clothes and going to the tattoo studio and, and working. And this continued on for months and months. The construction contracting netted a good income as well. So I actually continued that. The first year and a half of opening my tattoo studio, there seemed to be a good bit of uh, resources and, and money to be made in the construction and contracting business as well. So I continued with that during the mornings as a way to build a bank to, to be able to invest in, you know, in my business and growing the business. We started on a relatively shoestring budget. I'm, I'm a young guy with not many resources getting out of prison uh, after seven years of being incarcerated. And all I had was some family support and my work ethic and knowing what I wanted to do and what I wanted to contribute to the community around me. Well, work ethic is a great thing to have. I think that it's something we might have some new generations coming up that need a little bit more of it, in my opinion. But I can imagine that during those seven years you were behind the wall, was that fire being fueled to say, I'm going to do something bigger when I get out of here and I'm not coming back. Yeah, I'll say when I was behind the walls, my work ethic being bottled up in such a, a small environment, I I would use my time all day long to run little businesses and educate myself. I, I would uh, I would tattoo, and I ran a bit of a, a loan sharking operation and a bookmaking operation and a poker table, and exercised every day. Plus my little 
tattoo shop I was running out of the cell. And I stayed busy in there looking for every opportunity to network and put any of my skill sets to work in a way that was like constructive. So we have to get to a couple other things because we're going to run out of time. Yeah, of course. One is you're now six years in with the Cardinal. I see on your Facebook and Instagram you have amazing amount of followers. Facebook, I think you have over 6,000, and you're closing in on 4,000 on Instagram. So congratulations on that. And you also you go to different tattoo events, and you've won some, some awards recently. So you've really taken this business to a whole new level. Yeah. At this point, the Cardinal serves clients uh, from all over this nation, and from four other continents are for being for being a relatively small mom and pop shop in in a small town our reach has just grown uh extraordinarily i'm not even sure how it happens but i think the 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 key points that the people like is you know we we put our love and heart and soul into everything that we do here and we take a very scientific approach to applying the tattoos in a medically sound, modern, scientific way, using uh, modern top-shelf equipment to do the tattoos. And, we're, you know, we're a custom shop, but there's a lot of artistry and relationship building in everything that we do so that our art is custom to the client and to whatever it is representing to our client. I think it's wonderful. So I want to ask you a question before we run out of time. And I ask this to all of my guests these days on The Hustler Files. As you know, I'm a big spiritual believer, and I know you are as well. What do you think your life assignment has been up until this point, Kieran? I think that my life assignment is to spread the love and light, to encourage the people around me, and for creativity to be a vehicle to show people that all of us our creators, all of us have this side of us that want to make and to express something meaningful to us and that we want to share that with others. So my role in this as an artist, as an entrepreneur, and as a a community figure of sorts is to encourage people to look within themselves and ask themselves, who am I? What do I want to share with the world? Well, I think you're doing a wonderful job, and I'm going to say it since I know how humble you are, but you are the most talented artist I have ever met or seen, and I'm guessing that's why you have clients from all over the world, not just in the United States. So if someone wants to find the Cardinal and learn about your work and maybe come visit you to get a tattoo, how do they do that? Our website is www thecardinalskinart.com. You can find us on Instagram just by looking up the Cardinal Skin Art and Gallery, as well as on Facebook. And any of our artists will have a uh, an Instagram account that they show just their artwork on as well. All of this can be found through any of our website, social media, the same information to find us anywhere our clients are. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I know we did it in a very short amount of time, but I'm really grateful that you and I reconnected today. And thank you again for for being one of our guests. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. It's, It's a joy. I hope you all and all your listeners enjoy it and get something out of it that they can share with their communities as well. I'm sure they will. And we'll be right back. There's more to come on this week's The Hustler Files. 
At the Franklin County Sheriff's Office, our House of Corrections is a no-stigma zone. Hi, I'm Emily, and I'm an Assistant Deputy Superintendent at the Franklin County Sheriff's Office, where we recognize addiction as a disease often rooted in childhood trauma or mental illness. We support, treat, and transition the people in our care with patience and understanding. More importantly, there is no stigma in our house, and I hope you make your house a no-stigma zone, too. For more information on where you can find help, visit opioidtaskforce.org. And we are back. And a huge thank you again to our guest, Kieran McHugh, who is the owner of the Cardinal Skin Art and Gallery. And he's also working on quite a few other entrepreneurial pursuits uh, that we couldn't get to in the show today. So we'll probably bring him back in the future to chat with us a little bit about that entrepreneurial journey six years post-incarceration. Always love chatting with Kieran. This week's thoughts come from Idil Ahmed. It's time to get back in tune with yourself. Your mind, thoughts, and feelings all belong to you. You choose every single day where you want to direct them. It's unfortunate that most people choose to pour all that precious energy into their past, not realizing how much life has to offer in the moment. Taking back your power means being aware of where you stand in this vast universe. Know that you're not defined by one mistake, you're not who you were, and you're not what people think about you. Stop limiting yourself. Take back control. You deserve to be free. And that's another wrap this week for The Hustler Files. It's my fervent hope every week that the stories and the changemakers we share will release limiting beliefs around incarceration and the stigmas that follow those who reenter society hoping for a new lease on life. I sincerely believe that it is only through storytelling and education that we can truly activate change. As always, I want to thank our guests and advertisers for their continuing support. Without them, we could not do this show every week. You can find The Hustler Files and all of our past shows on the WHMP.com podcast page and also on any of your favorite podcast sites such as Apple, Amazon, or Spotify. And of course, if you'd like to reach out to me with any questions or comments, you can find me at lisa at whmp.com. Have a wonderful week ahead, and remember, don't be ashamed of your story. It will inspire others. See you next week right here on The Hustler Files. became an RN, LPN, mental health clinician, counselor, or recovery professional because you believe in the value of wellness, treatment of disease, and prevention of illness. And that also means that you have the right stuff to join the medical and mental health care team at the Hamden County Sheriff's Office. Making the world a better place takes a village, and even more so with justice-involved individuals. So why not consider dedicating your next career move to changing countless lives for the better? Visit hcsoma.org. That's hcsoma.org to join the team today.